Just Man's the Podcast. This week, <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Yes, of course I'm ready. Well, I mean, I'm as ready as I think I am. I think that's. I think we both think we're ready, but we're <laughs> not going to be ready until a, he comes. Yeah. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl Amanda, and today I have Lucas, my boyfriend, on the podcast with me because this week we are having our little baby boy. Baby daddy's in the building. <laughs> On Thursday, we will be going in for a scheduled C-section at 11.30 a.m. Isn't that so crazy? We <laughs> that we know. We scheduled the birth of our child. We know that he's coming Thursday the 17th at 11.30. Not 11, 11.30. We know that. That's information that we have. If you guys have been following along with my journey on Instagram, you have kind of gone through the motions with me about my feelings on C-section and scheduling it. If you guys are new here, I have a breech baby, and that's why we are having to schedule a C-section, but my emotions and my thoughts have gone all over the place with scheduled C-sections. Up and down. Breech baby, obviously, being head up, for those of you that don't know. I was struggling with it at first because I didn't like the idea of scheduling my baby's birthday. I felt like I was playing God. Just a disclaimer, there's no judgment to any woman who schedules their C-sections or how your baby comes into this world. But for me, I felt like it was really important to have a vaginal birth and scheduling the C-section just felt very unnatural to me. However, I have had to research and explore my options and have come to the conclusion that this is the best option for me and baby and I am so freaking pumped and excited about it (laughs) and honestly me being a control freak the scheduled c-section kind of makes sense it's a little on brand because I just love to know I it's like me it's like me and my google calendar I'm just happy that you're at a point where you actually accept it you know because for a while you know the whole c-section was really hard on you and and hard I think, on you. Yeah, I, it was hard I on me it. because, I mean, I felt awful watching you, you know, really beat yourself up about it. But What's I think, that like? I think your problem was really just the amount of options that you had. I feel like it wasn't necessarily the C-section you were afraid of or what you didn't necessarily want to do. I think you were just highly upset because you thought the C-section was really our only route. Because when, you, when we were going to our OB appointments and, you know, everyone was... I mean, the C-section was the only option we really had. I felt um, forced. Yeah, you felt forced, and that's that really freaked you out. And that, I mean, that freaked me out too. It was super, super awful. It's because it's so weird. I mean, I respect the medical industry more than I can even express, but it's just such a giant entity that you just are grown and groomed to respect and not question not question but also go to when you're in in need when you're in trouble when you're in trouble you go to medical you go to doctors and they'll take care of you so it's super weird when you have this giant entity kind of like telling you what you want to do and it's something you don't necessarily want to do so it's a really conflicting thing but it was nice for us I think we kind of went into game mode when you know, that was like our only option. We did all the research and we <laughs> we found a midwife in Utah that was willing to come over here and 
you know, scoop that baby breech vaginally <laughs> if we needed to. So I think after gaining all that information and really trying super hard to make more options for you, I think that really calmed you down and, and made you really think about um, or gave you a clearer headspace, you know. It gave me agency, which yeah. is something that's super important to me is to be able to have options and make my own choices for myself and my own body and my own baby. And like Lucas said, we took the entire week after finding out that this baby was probably not going to move and if he wasn't we we're going to get a scheduled c-section we took the whole week to really explore my options i mean i was reaching out to people in tennessee in north carolina Yo, i thought we were about to go to some village in salem fucking <laughs> in tennessee on the farm in ina may gaskin's farm and yeah, just get right? get delivered by a bunch of midwife hippies i but mean shit i would have been down for that Imagine a room full of, like, crystals and, like, sage while we're... Dim lights. Don't get me thinking about it. Well, I mean, just just, it's so crazy, the different formats of setting that you can really have. Of birth, yeah. It's it's quite quite interesting. And the thing about it, too, is that you think that you have all this control over it, but at the end of the day, it's like, you, you can explore your options, but at the end of the day, you really do not have control over how this baby is going to come out into the world. Because even if you do go to a farm and you deliver the way that you want to, there's going to be one or two things that doesn't go as planned. Oh, well, yeah. And, and that's what you have to really – that's what I wish somebody told me when I found out I was pregnant at first was, you know, don't – someone did say, like, don't do a, blur, a birth plan, but I really, really want to emphasize that for people. It's like – you can have preferences, birth preferences, but don't be set on one way because it's probably not going to work out. Yeah, and I mean, we were at a point where we were we were willing to leave the OB altogether and just at 36 weeks. Yeah, and just, you know, because I I don't think we were getting the respect reciprocated to us when we started asking or especially when you started asking questions about um the possibility of, you know, vaginal breath, breach birth. and What I've learned about the medical industry is, like Lucas said, they're great and they're there for you until they're not, until you start to ask questions, because I don't think that they really like to be asked questions. No. I mean, at least in my experience, <laughs> about, you know, why they're, they're, they're enforcing their protocol. No, for sure. I mean, in their respect, they've gone to school longer than we have been alive, you know. Most of them. But in my defense, it's my body. No, so. absolutely. So you got a young 22-year-old woman <laughs> coming in with wits higher than the fucking ceiling. Like a list of questions. Asking all these questions, and they're just like, hold up, little lady. Who do you <laughs> think you are? That's kind of really what, what happened. And it was kind of just like, whoa. Um, they, you're a firecracker. <laughs> what, I, what I realized, and we can go into this a little bit, about just birth options in general is like, the reason that I've had such an issue with my OBs is because my baby's, my baby's breech and that that really doesn't give you a lot of options in the U.S. But it's taught me that next time around, I'm definitely going the midwife route just because like they, that my OBs tried to use fear as a tactic to really get me to comply with a scheduled C-section. When I told them I didn't want one, they were like, well, you have to. And if anyone knows me, I don't do do well with being told what I need to do. <laughs> I don't I don't do well with being forced into anything. Well, I think it's also especially the fact that like 
I mean, I know a lot of medical professionals will say that C-sections are safe, they're super easy, and that's fine, and I know they are, and I know, you know, some doctors will pull out, C you know, five or six C-sections in a single day, you know, not even blink an eye, but, you know, it's like, it's super, it's super interesting when you have, like, this giant entity, like I brought up earlier, kind of, like, leaning towards your only option is a major surgery where we cut you open, take out your fucking organs, put them on a tray, yank your baby out you know what i mean it's just like that's super intense um but i mean at the end of the day i respect ob's i think they're there for a reason i think they you know perform an awesome purpose so anyone else that decides to go that right route obviously it's a great decision but i think it to each his own when pregnancy kind of comes into the room it's pretty much how you really deal with it on your own terms i think if you're an ob listening i think you need to get better at being compassionate to your patients. <laughs> I understand that you see 20 women a day, but if I'm coming in and I'm expressing my concerns to you and I'm telling you what I want, what I want because I have the right to do that, mm -hmm. I'm choosing you as a provider. Yeah, I think in there... No, wait. <laughs> if, if, if I'm coming into you and telling you what I want and what I don't want, don't tell me that I don't have any options. First, empathize with me. Like, be a little bit compassionate. Listen to me. Make me feel like I'm being heard. And then you can give me your list. Mm -hmm. Also, encourage me to inform myself. Encourage me to do the research and, and weigh the risks and benefits of a vaginal breech birth or a C-section or whatever your, your situation might be. If you're an OB, you need to encourage your patients to do their own research. I don't want to rely solely on you. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to, to think that I want to rely solely on you i want you to encourage people to do their own research because at the end of the day your birth has to resonate with you and you have to feel comfortable with whatever decision that you make and you need to feel like the decision that or the way that your birth goes you have a little bit of control over yeah i think through this process what we've learned what you've learned the most especially because by the way i have not been able to go to an ob appointment in weeks which fucking sucks because you know, I'm the father of this child. They're using COVID. Are as you? A <laughs> <laughs> I better be. If that child comes out light-skinned, or I'm going to be highly upset. We'll keep you posted. Jeez. Um, I haven't been able to go to the OB in weeks. So, Amanda, you've been dealing with, you know, you've been dealing with them personally. Um, and I, I think that you've, that you've just learned through the process that, you know, a lot, of, I think a lot of women look at, an OB like the final say like they are the sacred word because they're the medical and they're this big scary OB like how dare I question whatever they fucking say you know but I think you've learned like no they're really not scary and you know you really have the say at the end of the day you know I think you've learned that you've learned to almost not look at this OB or giant medical entity as something scary. You've really stepped up and kind of well, taken it into your own hands. I think something that we've gone away from in our modern society is an empowered birth. And I think that's what it is, is if you feel like you have control and if you feel like your birth to, you know, 
to some extent because I think the baby really ultimately decides how they want to be born. Obviously, this baby's a stinker and he wants to be breached, but I think well, if I mean, you the baby didn't decide a C-section. He's not like, hey, by no, the way, cut me out. That's true, but he. I think your baby is going to. You know, he's not turning. So, like, I don't have any control over that. What no. I'm saying is, is I. I feel like women in the past in more traditional ancient cultures were given the choice to have a little bit of control over the way that their well, baby I comes into the world. <laughs> and I think, what? I agree with that, but I also, also because back in ancient cultures, they were pooping babies out <laughs> on the fucking grass. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that I've learned that our culture has gone away from an empowered birth. And I think a way to kind of grasp more of that empowerment when you go into your pregnancy and your birth is to ask questions and and let the OB know that like listen you're you're present you're here you're here to call the shots you know like you're you want to consult your OB obviously or your midwife or whoever is the medical professional who's who knows mo probably mostly the answers but at the same time you want them to know that you are still being your own advocate. Yeah. It's kind of interesting when you go fully medical route, how almost dulled over the pregnancy process is. It's kind of, you feel like you're, you're in this like assembly line, you know, yeah. just going through an assembly line yeah. and then you'll just make it at the end. You know what I mean? I think that's why we're so motivated to find like a midwife or, um, a doula for a next pregnancy, because I think what we've learned through all this is that we're very empathetic people, you know, and we need empathy and we need like feeling first when it comes to such a big situation like pregnancy. And we need a little bit of control. No, absolutely. Because I can't. You I, need control. I just, I don't feel comfortable with someone telling me how I need to do things when I have intuition and I know what my body needs, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, the medical's main argument towards that is just going to be the amount of school and the amount of I don't, give a, shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm over here like defending them. Like <laughs> I don't think I've actually talked about this on Instagram yet, but our whole journey with trying to find our options for breech births, because again, if you guys don't know in the U S a lot of OBs don't practice vaginal breech births anymore. They just don't, they're not trained in it and they, they don't do it. They won't do it unless you've had a previous child or because they say that your pelvis is like proven that you're like you're proven to have been able to like give birth but most won't do it so when we found that out we literally emailed everyone that i could find in denver who has been known to have done breech births in the past and that was like one guy who was like 78 years old who recently retired yeah so we were like okay well that's not an option so then i reached out to my acupuncturist and um a doula that she connected me with and it's i've i've just networked with a bunch of people yeah my, it's all networking my chiropractor was really really great and provided me with a lot of resources she's actually coming on the podcast in a couple weeks um so stay tuned for that episode but shout out maggie shout out maggie but yeah i just i reached out to all my resources and if you're in a situation during pregnancy where you feel like you have limited options i would highly suggest you mm -hmm. doing your research emailing everybody calling everybody like don't even feel bad for calling people 24 7 like you got to be your own advocate yeah I was, you literally just stole the words out of my mouth i was about to bring up like 
there were so many moments that you were so frustrated through that process just telling me like you know i'm tired of being my own advocate and shit like that but at the end of the day i mean especially when it comes to women making <laughs> anything happen for themselves you got to be your own fucking advocate you know, yeah it's a sad truth of it but like at 36 weeks pregnant the last thing i want to do is be on the phone calling people no, yeah, emailing for sure. people but i want to put my fucking feet up and i want a foot massage that's yeah, what i want at 36 you know, weeks I got you, <laughs> you know i got you um but it's kind of funny the 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 midwife that we finally found you know, it was from a friend, from a friend doula who knew that doula, who knew an email, who knew phone <laughs> yeah. number that we yeah. tried and it succeeded. I literally reached out to a doctor in California who's like really well known, Dr. Fishbein, Fishbein, uh, Dr. Stu Fishbein for vaginal breed births. I reached out to somebody in North Carolina. I reached out to somebody in Tennessee. I reached out to somebody in Utah. I explored all my options. And the cool thing was, is all of these doctors were really, really responsive and they were really caring and compassionate and they all wanted to help me so even if they were in california or north carolina they all tried to give me resources that were closer to me and just provide me with emails or other routes or and avenues that i could look at and go which down which was awesome which is awesome and ultimately we found someone who was willing to deliver our baby vaginally breach or attempt to either in Cedar City, Utah, or in Denver. Yeah, and the crazy part about that is that, and she was amazing. She's What's her name? Do you remember? Casey. Casey? Casey. Yeah, she was great to talk to. I mean, super, super I'll leave smart. her stuff in the show notes. I'll leave her. Yeah, and she was, she's, she's amazing. And I would honestly, you know, look for her on pregnancy number two. But um, we would have been her first vaginal breach delivery. Successful patients well her first story she wasn't the main she wasn't the main the main midwife she was just there yeah but she attended a breech birth that nothing went wrong the lady just it just wasn't progressing like normal so the lady was like i just think i need to go to the hospital get yeah. a c-section just but with, for precautions but with casey doing her first you know lead midwife breech vaginal delivery we would have been her first clients um, but i also like respected that a lot because, you know, with a midwife wanting to bring that practice back to life, mm -hmm. you know, I thought it would have been really special to kind of like kick off her career in doing the vaginal breach. Totally, delivery. totally. And I wish I was that person that was like, <laughs> let's do it. But when that time came and I and I had an option yeah. to, to go that route, I'm not trying to be a hero. No, I get it. <laughs> and that's why that's I why I'm happy, feel... but I'm so happy we actually found yes, that option. Just so you could be like, okay. So I could know. So you can make your own fucking decision right. on what you wanted right. to do. And that was huge for you. Right. And then that's what Lucas was saying earlier is once I had that option, I felt better about making the decision about a C-section because I was informed. Yeah. And I actually was given a choice at that point. Because if you really didn't want a C-section, if you were really, like, true as God, terrified of it, we could have not... We would have. We could have not route. done it. Yeah, we could have done the home birth route. And I think that was important for it to that option to be on the table. I think something that we've also learned throughout this is that because we're both 22, the medical industry, or at least in my experience with OBs, kind of take advantage of that. And everyone that I talked to, whether it was a midwife or a doula who I called just and asked for, you know, their advice and their opinions, told me that. They were like, because you're young, you are going to get taken advantage by these medical professionals. And I understand it. I'm young and I haven't gone through medical school. 
I've done my research and I can back up what I'm saying and, and I think what I believe. Lot, I think a lot of young people can't say that they've done the research. You know, I feel like a lot of young But I don't think a lot of young people feel like they can and they should. No, I, I don't think yeah, they're given the option. I agree. I agree with that. I agree. And luckily your intuition, your, you know, your, your natural intuition is a researcher. You know, you like to gain that information yourself. So. Well, I also have to credit Maggie, my chiropractor, too, for really sparking that that curiosity in me. I'm a very curious person. That's why I have a podcast. But at the same time, like I was kind of like Lucas was saying in that assembly line and not really questioning and kind of just being like, yeah, that was kind of nice of her. Cause you were asking her questions and she'd just be like, well, do research on it yourself. Yeah. Read, read this, read this, read that. She was the one who really got my wheels turning about like, Oh, I do have other options and Oh, I can research other options. I don't have to just be okay with this if I'm not. Yeah. And so I do have to credit her for that. Again, she will be on the podcast soon, so definitely listen to that. But, yeah, I think a lot of young people don't feel like they have the choice to become informed and educate themselves and then make a decision because they're looking at someone who's 30, 40, 50, 60 years old who has gone through so much school and gone through so much experience, hands-on experience, who is telling them one thing. But if something doesn't resonate with you, if your intuition is telling you this this doesn't feel good – you need to honor that and you need to listen to that. And then you need to do your own research and explore your options. And then if you come to a realization that you agree with the, the medical practitioner, then fine. But you need to honor your intuition and you need to do your own research. Do you want to talk about the ECV? Yeah, I think ECVs are fucking <laughs> stupid. I do not support an ECV at all. So for anyone listening who isn't familiar with what an ECV is, it's an external cephalac version. So basically, they the short term, they call it a version. And basically what they do is you go in to a doctor. It might be your OB. It might be another OB. And you have them manually try to flip the baby from the Sketch. outside. Sketch. No way, Jose. <laughs> so if anyone's ever been pregnant you know that it feels really freaking weird and sensitive and probably more, I mean, I didn't do it, but painful to have someone really press on your belly. I mean, I know for me that every time I go and get an ultrasound and just lay on my back and they put the pressure of the ultrasound, um, like, I don't even know what it is. Oh, um, prob the prob the ultrasound prob. Probe. Whenever they I'd go probe, probe, probe that's what it is. Prob. That's what it is. Probe. Um, when they press on my belly and press on the baby, I I get so lightheaded and it's painful. Yeah, that shit fucks you up. I just from the get go, I hated the idea of an ECV because like what you're really gonna try to manually flip this baby by digging your hands into my woman's belly and. God forbid, like what, dude? <laughs> the what is that? Uh, the umbilical cord. It's yeah. like there's so many issues. They flip that baby, gets wrapped around my child's neck. We're getting rushed into emergency C-section right then and there at 37 weeks. Or the the heart rate of the baby drops and like, then they get no. chest out and then they have to get an emergency C-section. Emergency C-section is only a two percent 
um, with the ECV, but also that's coming from a very small pool of people who have gotten ECV. Yeah, and also, and also I <laughs> breech. Breech, yeah, <laughs> having a, a breech baby at term is three to four percent, and, and that's I'm you. in that category. So you're I doing you're doing great, sweetie. I don't really know if my odds are great, <laughs> and I just I wasn't feeling like I wanted to take that chance, but. I did go and get evaluated because I wanted to check on the baby. I wanted to see if his growth was good and if the the cord placement was okay. And the yeah, what was, was good. what was nice is that we went to the ECV appointment, right? You go to the appointment, and but they start with an evaluation. They start with an ultrasound, and they, you know, they give you their opinion if if they think they can be successful with turning the baby or not. But I think we – I was definitely like, either way, I don't want to do this. I would just like to go and get evaluated because I want to go – to an ultrasound because yeah, I haven't been to the OB in weeks. So it was nice for me to like go in and see my child and apparently has a lot of hair, which <laughs> is super funny. <laughs> um, but also um, I just never really had a good feeling about it. And every ultrasound we've ever really had, you get super lightheaded, you know, laying on your back like that and then pressing on your belly. So I really appreciated and even the doctor. So let's update them on what mm-hmm. happened at the ECV. Mm-hmm. So we go in, um, we obviously get the ultrasound, um, baby is healthy as can be fit as a fiddle, but still breached. Of course, super comfy in there. Um, and doctor comes in. My, so my fluid levels were fine. So yeah. basically like what they, what they will measure for the ECV is if they have enough fluid for the baby to actually turn, because when you have low fluid, the baby can't go anywhere. Yeah. Also the cord placement, if the, cords wrapped around the baby's neck that's not going to be successful um and uterus shape is a is a factor but they won't be able to tell that until i'm not pregnant yeah so through the ultrasound you get lightheaded again like normal we do the cold towel it's fine you sit on your side i'm sure that (laughs) happens a lot (laughs) with a lot of other women just to inform people if because i always feel so bad and frustrated when that happens to me because i'm like why is that happening? I, I just, cause I had this turn on my side and then everyone wants to stop and we got to <laughs> sit there for like five minutes. So I'm like, why does that happen? But basically your aorta in, it's just like a big vein or artery. Yeah. It's an artery artery. It's your aorta. It gets crushed by all the weight of the baby on your, in your belly. And so your blood pressure will drop. Yeah. Just think of like a water hose when you bend it and exactly. the water comes out. It's kind of like when you're laying at that angle and they're pr- putting pressure on your belly It it kind of stops the blood fro- flow throughout the body. So that kind of messes you up a little bit. So we get ultrasound, you know, baby gets tested with all this stuff. Baby is good to go. Doc comes in and is just like, gives the best advice ever. Thank you, doctor. She was just like, look, you know, you feel like shit during the ultrasound. This ECV is like a thousand times more intense. And you have to lay down. Yeah. Doc was like, if you're my sister, I would say, don't even do it. Just, you know wait until c-section we were like yep thank you that's all we needed goodbye and see that's exactly what i needed because i respond so well to just brutal honesty and i felt like you know as as a pregnant woman and as a mother you want to do everything you can to especially if your baby's breached like i want to do everything that i can to encourage this baby to flip or try to have the vaginal birth that I want because I know how good it is for the baby. So, I mean, I was doing acupuncture, I was doing chiropractic, I was doing inversion, spinning babies, swimming in the pool, standing on my head. Like I was doing all the things. So an ECV, I looked at it as one, one more thing that I could try. Why not? Yeah. And I was but, like, you're crazy, but we both really weren't 
okay with it. I was shit scared of, of it, but at the same time, I was gonna grit and bear it if I if it was if it was a go, because I wanted to feel like I've exhausted every option. But I respect that. But but both of our intuition was telling us let's not do it. So when we got there and we heard the doctor be like, listen, if you were my sister, I would tell you no way in hell don't do it. I was like, okay, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. Let's go eat some freaking pancakes. <laughs> and then we had when got breakfast and I got hammered on Bloody Mary's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it really worked out how we really wanted it to. But yeah, I mean, the ECV, it's, it's an option for people. For us, it just wasn't something that we felt comfortable with. And the doctor obviously helped us solidify that. And I think if you have a breech baby, definitely explore your options, but that's just our experience with it. Are you tired of compromising your health for convenience? Look no further. I'm here talking to you guys about my favorite clean energy bar on the market today. That is Patter Bar. You guys, this bar is for food lovers made by food lovers. They have three different flavors, coconut and cashew, blueberry and lemon, and fruit, nut, and seed. My personal favorite is the coconut cashew because I'm a sucker for all things coconut. Get ready for the best part though. Patter Bar doesn't use any non-food ingredients. So no added sugars, no sweeteners, no natural flavors, no preservatives, additives, binders, or fillers, no powders, extracts, or oils. When I say this is literally the cleanest energy bar out there, I mean it. It's made with 100% real foods, and right now they source their ingredients from family-owned farms because they're committed to lowering their carbon footprint and bringing the best quality ingredients to the consumer. By 2021, they even plan to transition to compostable packaging, but most importantly, their goal is to provide you with food that you can trust by being completely transparent with their ingredients. Let me just read you some of the ingredients in the blueberry lemon bar. Unsweetened dried blueberries, medjool dates, who doesn't love a date? Sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, pepitas, ginger, tahini, lemon, and sea salt. That's it. You want to know why I love Pata Bar so much? Besides being absolutely delicious, I feel full after I eat one. I don't know about you, but when I snack on a bar, I want it to hold me over. I want to feel satisfied. I want to be filled up. And this is literally the only bar out there that does that for me. If you guys want to get your hands on some Patter Bars, you can go to patterbar.com. That's P-A-T-T-E-R-B-A-R.com and use the code JUSTMANS2020 to get 15% off your order. I recommend that you guys buy the variety pack so you can try out all the flavors. I guarantee you will be obsessed. Again, that code is JUSTMANS2020 at patterbar.com at checkout for 15% off your order. Now let's get back to the episode. Do you want to talk about all of the options and choices and decisions that we can make when you're pregnant and that people need to think about? That was a very broad question. <laughs> it was a long question, but it so, was So, like, because we're having a boy, circumcision, vaccinations. Oh, yeah. All of that. Um, well, when it comes to circumcision, I mean, I'm circumcised, so I just figured I'll just... Ha- I left it up to Lucas. I said, listen, yeah. I don't I don't care. If it was my choice, I probably wouldn't circumcise my baby just because, like, I don't really think it's necessary. And I've done research, and I don't really yeah, think I that just want to be more. Research. I just want to be as prepared as possible. And I don't know how to, you know, take care nor clean, a circ- you know, an uncircumcised little wang. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, for me, I was like, listen, I don't have a penis, so this is your call. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, there are more uncircumcised men on this world than there are circumcised, because normally circumcision is a religious-based mm-hmm. thing or, you know, a North American thing. But I'm circumcised, so I figured little 
little mini me should might as well be circumcised too so i know how to take care of that as well as you know when he's 18 he's like dad yeah. these chicks are they have no idea what to do with the, with the extra skin on my <laughs> on my wang i'm gonna be like what the fuck dad i'll be like all right you know yeah and then with vaccinations it's just these are things that people that i don't think that we're told when you're pregnant that like these are things that you should really research about it's more so just like oh you should get them circumcised or you should get them vaccinated or you shouldn't get them vaccinated and it's like that's just another thing about being informed and having informed consent is like you, these are things that you yeah. really need to it's research. It's kind of funny because everyone's like, oh, you should vaccinate your kids. I agree. You should vaccinate your kids. Okay. I guarantee you when you ask someone that is over the moon about vaccinating your kids, if you say, okay, can you give me a list of the actual vaccinations that they use to quote unquote vaccinate your child? I guarantee you they couldn't fucking say one. Or... If you ask them why, I don't think that their answer would be very backed up with science-based evidence. My only issue with vaccinations is that, you know, because a lot of schools, a lot of youth sports teams, they don't allow children who aren't vaccinated onto, you know, into the school or um, onto this team. And I could not imagine it's being... Well, in California, they just passed a law that kids can't even go to school if they're not vaccinated. Yeah, so... Which is really fucked up because... Even if it's considered a public health concern, even kids who are vaccinated, it doesn't stop them from getting it or spreading it. But still, at the end of the day, there are vaccinations, though, that are vital. 100%. That are extremely needed. 100%. But I also think there are a few in the mix that aren't necessarily as 100%. needed today. 100%. You know? So. But vaccinations are interesting. Go. It's so funny. I mean, like I said earlier, all these, you know, all these pro-vaccination people, and I'm also a pro—I'm a yeah. pro-vaccination person myself. I think you should get vaccinated, yeah. um, but I also think you should do the research and know what Why? vaccinations are exactly being necessary used. What's and what's necessary? I think. I mean, it's just like you wouldn't go and do a public speech if you weren't prepared on what you were going to talk about. So why would you vaccinate your child if you didn't know why they were being vaccinated? What is in the vaccination? What are the side effects? What are the risks? What are the benefits? Why would it be good for me not to vaccinate my kid? And so I think what we're just trying to say is during pregnancy, there's so many things that you need to think about that really aren't you're not told to really think about, um, especially me and like just the, the OB route. I was never told like, Hey, what are you going to do about vaccinations? Or, Hey, what are you going to do about circumcision? It was just kind of like, Oh, and then, you know, the pediatrician will come in and circumcise your baby and then he'll get vaccinations. And I'm like, well, don't I get a choice? So I think that's what, that's what we're saying is, is there's so many things that you need to think about and that I want to encourage everyone to think about just because I wasn't told that I had that choice until so late in my pregnancy, and I wish I did a little bit more research in the beginning. So I think if you're pregnant, I would really encourage you, if you're having a boy, to talk about circumcision early. And then if you're, you know, whatever you're having, to talk about vaccinations, talk about baptism, talk about everything. Like, really get that stuff researched and figured out before you give birth to your baby, because I think it's a lot easier to make a decision when the time comes if you're already informed i agree how's sex been 
non-existent the past. <laughs> I knew you were gonna the say The past that. like month and a half. No, I think it's been like three weeks. No, it's been like a solid four a weeks. A month. I think. A month. Yeah, I think it was just like the last time we had sex, it was super uncomfortable for you, so we we're just like, eh. But uh, your head game's been pretty strong <laughs> recently. <laughs> so the reason we're bringing this up is because my number one question is probably like, how's your sex life? How is sex during pregnancy? And hashtag blowjobs. <laughs> so I, this is different for everybody, but for me, I think around like 36 weeks, it just started to feel super uncomfortable. Probably no, like 34. My belly's getting bigger. And we had sex a lot before that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. very regularly. Right. And and my belly started to get bigger, and I started to feel uncomfortable. And every single time afterwards, it was like I was rushing Lucas to be like, "All right, times <laughs> times chicken," and like that's just not enjoyable. So. We have found other ways to be intimate, but yeah, I think sex is something that we just kind of stopped doing. Yeah, and I mean, it was it's really just up to you. Yeah. And I mean, what am I gonna say? Like, yeah. I just. But that is an issue for people, though. Like, I think because off obviously after you give birth, whether it's C-section or vaginal, you can't have sex for six weeks. No. So that's tough for some people, and then especially if you're in our situation where like we're not having sex even before. Yeah, well, I think it all, it it didn't really affect me because you kind of, you were like, okay, I don't want to have sex, but don't worry, I'll still take care of you. Like, that was your mindset. And that was fine with me. You know what I mean? You know, like a lot of women will be like, I don't want to have sex. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. You know, and that might be a problem for your relationship. You know, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I'd be lying if I, you know, wouldn't be a little upset if you were just like, everything's off the table. Everything's off the table. I'd be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So the fact that you're like, look, sex isn't right, but you know, I still got you. We're good. I'm not fucking. I'm not complaining. Yeah, but I think, I think if that is an issue in your relationship, again, even if even if you don't want to give your man a blowjob or if you don't want to have sex, like that's fine too. But that's you fine. need to find other ways to please the other person and have those moments of in- intimacy too and also just talk to them about it yeah and, and for a guy and matt you know for men men and women's brains are different you know men really and a lot of women too you know it, but if your partner really has a huge trouble with it show some sympathy don't just be like yeah well i'm fucking pregnant like yeah. what do you expect like no be like look babe i know that you're really upset like i i if if we could i would you know we we would be having sex but if you come at it from a different angle, I think men would be a lot more understanding rather than just be like, you know, no, everything's off the table and how dare you complain because I'm pregnant and you're not. Like, I think it was super easy for me because you were like, you like knew that, I don't know, I think you just handled it well, but I think women should handle it like that. You know, it's like, if you're really uncomfortable with having sex or even if you're uncomfortable with giving pleasure to your partner, don't use pregnancy as an excuse. I mean, that's the reason why it's happening, but also sympathize with your partner's feelings because, you know, at the end of the day, you're in a relationship because you enjoy having sex with each other too. You enjoy, you know. And hopefully you're in a relationship where you are you don't have to tell your partner, like, I'm pregnant and I have been for the last nine months. They get it. They yeah, know that. Yeah, but also, you know, a guy is not going to be fucking happy when no, you tell but what him I'm that. Sa- well, that's why I'm saying, like, you don't need to come at it that way if you're a woman because yeah. the the guy knows that they get it like they they get that yeah you're they don't need to be reminded yeah they don't need yeah. you know hopefully 
hopefully you're in a relationship where that's the case. But like for me, again, I just, yeah, like I knew that this sex was fine for Lucas. Sex wasn't okay for me. So it's almost like one of those things in, in your relationship where you just have to compromise. And it's like, okay, you know, there's Lucas is not going through these bodily changes. I am. So how can we make this work for our relationship? Because intimacy is a huge part of successful relationships, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And we're super intimate people, so. Yeah, so I think it's just about, like, having a conversation with your partner and coming to a compromise and, and really voicing, like, what you need and what will make you happy and how you guys can get through this last yeah. month. A.K.A. communication. Boom. Transparency. <laughs> my brand. <laughs> key to a successful relationship what about relationship changes have have there been any in our relationship throughout this last nine months i wouldn't say so i mean i think we've become stronger i think our bond is like the closer we go the closer we get to this date of having our child i think i think we've become more of a team yeah and I think that also stemmed from us moving in together. Yeah, that's that's true. Not only, not solely based on us having a child. Us moving in together has really helped our our bond. Because I think we were both, Lucas and I are both very independent people just by nature, but I think before our relationship was a very independent, individual relationship because we were long distance for a while. And we both just really like to do what we like to do. And if, if the other person didn't want to do that with us, that's fine. That wasn't going to stop us from doing it. And when we moved in with each other and now that we're about to bring a child into the world, it's like we're still independent, but we've become we've learned to like figure out how that looks together. And I think it's been cool to see just how our relationship has become more solid, because I think that could be something that's, you know, it could go either way for a lot of people. You can move in with this with some money and have a kid with somebody and it just doesn't work. And I think I mean, obviously, our baby's not born yet, but I think pregnancy has worked really well for us because I think we both are coming in it with an understanding of like okay we're a team you know we're both going through this like it's not just me going through all of these things it's yeah. Lucas too and and I think as, as a woman it's it's pretty hard to understand that like you're becoming a dad too because you don't go through any of the, the changes bodily no I mean You've kind of gotten over the fact that we're pregnant because it's grown. I still am like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready for this baby because it's been inside of me and I want it yeah, out. Yeah, you are s like so much more ready for this baby than I. I'm ready for this baby. I think I am. Like, I'm, I, I guess I'm as ready as I can be, or at least I think I can be. You know? <laughs> yeah. But like, you're ready, ready. Yeah. Because you've been growing this child yeah. for nine months. Yeah. You know, I've just been chilling on the side. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Watching. trying to enjoy sleeping in and yeah you know yeah uh, i mean for you i can't even imagine being in your situation because i can't imagine like getting hit in the face like a ton of bricks with your child you know what i mean that's how I, that's how i when once they're born yes, yes yeah that's what i mean it's yeah like, but i think that's also a super special moment for a father that's like when you i'm super excited for that moment the first time i you know hold him and actually look at him it's gonna be like <laughs> yeah. it's all finally going to be reality yeah. you know and i think it's going to just be the most incredible moment ever that i've ever experienced so far in my life so pregnancy makes you go through so many different emotions and i feel like something that's not talked about enough and 
I don't know if women even go through this, but something that I've been feeling lately is like I'm getting really selfish because I'm 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 recognizing that he's going to be here in a week and he's going to be out into the world and not in my womb anymore and he's not going to be just mine anymore. And for me it's like motherly instincts don't just start when you when you give birth. Like as soon as you become pregnant, you feel them and they're hard and they're intense and they're all over the place. And like it's such a mixed emotions thing because I cannot wait to introduce him to the world and meet him and like have Lucas be there and and meet his son and bond with his son. But like and at the same time, I'm like, he's not he's never, ever, ever again just going to be solely mine. And it's weird. Like every kick, every roll, every punch, everything like I've just me, I felt like you guys can put your hands on my belly and feel it. But like you don't feel it like I do. Yeah, it's kind of funny to think to like the fact that you say that kind of put myself in your shoes and think about that it's pretty interesting but um it's da- it's time for it's time <laughs> for daddy to feel all this that's true what would you say to people who are in our situation about maybe important conversations to have before the baby's here because being young i think it's easy to kind of romanticize having a baby but I think it's important to really talk about the hard shit that's going to come and how hard those first few weeks and months are going to be when you guys are adjusting to your new life as parents and your new roles um, with another person being in your space. Um, what do you think would be like a good conversation for people to have? I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can have as many conversations, quote unquote, preparing for how you're going to handle reality once the baby kit comes. But I think we have no fucking idea what's about to hit us. I think that once the baby comes, every single thought that we've had or conversation that we've had of, okay, this is how we're going to do it when the baby's here, I think that's going to go completely out the window and we're going to start from scratch on how we're going to deal with it. So that's why I was little. Like I I, that's why it was it was troubling for me to answer that question. I think, though, I think it's important to just say it out loud to your partner that listen we're both learning we're both going to be learning throughout this so like the little you know the little things that lucas might do when we have a baby like say he changes the diaper differently or like i would have done it a different way like don't get mad i i don't i need to i want to remind myself like don't get mad at him for doing something differently because those little fights we don't need okay well i'll remind you about this when we have our (laughs) i will play you this audio clip When I don't strap the diaper the way you strap the diaper, <laughs> and I get an earful for it. I think something else that was really important for me to say to Lucas was, you know, physical touch, being hugged and being held and being cuddled really, really, really helps me with my anxiety. I've just learned that over the years, that if I, if I get a hug from Lucas in the middle of the day when I'm feeling really anxious, it calms me down so much. So I, I definitely told Lucas, like, you know, I want to make time for – intimate moments with you whether that's you know sex or whatever being like intimate in a sexual level or just like a hug or a handhold or a kiss on the cheek or me sitting on his lap like I think that's really important for me and that was something that I definitely wanted to stress to Lucas because again like these next few weeks and months are going to be so hard and we're going to be sleep deprived and they're going to be 
full of just emotions. So that was something that I really stressed to him that I needed. And I, I mean, a part of me, a part of my love language naturally needs that too. So I don't think we'll have a problem with that because I'm naturally a very physical touch kind of person. Resources for people who are pregnant and young dads or young moms or anything. I guess the only resource that I've kind of been using, um, I've been reading a couple books here and there. Um, this author, Armin Brott, A-R-M-I-N, Brott, B-R-O-T-T. He came out with a couple editions of this new father book. Um, there's like The Expectant Father, um, The Ultimate Guide for Dads-to-Be, The New Father, A Dad's Guide to the First Year. Um, he, he, I think he has one other book, uh, but he's awesome. Uh, these books are super easy read. They've been really good to me, um, and I love them a lot. So if you have any questions about them, you can just message me or reach out to me. I'd love to – I'll even send them to you when I'm done reading them if you'd like. So just let me know. And I think it's really important as a new dad to kind of educate yourself. And it also makes you feel like you're preparing yourself for this child too. It makes you feel better about yourself. It makes you feel more prepared, like I just said. Um, when I read these books, I feel really good about myself. Um, I feel like I am – being proactive with this whole pregnancy and being a new father. So um, I think the education factor is huge. And those books and that author, they've been awesome to me. And those that's what I've been using. So, yeah. And I also think it's, it's helped you be a better partner to me throughout this pregnancy. Because when we found out we were getting a C-section, I knew nothing about C-sections because I never thought I was going to get one. Yeah. But in your book, you read about them. Yeah, I was like, oh, I have this whole chapter for you about C-sections. Here you are. And you literally read my dad-to-be book, the whole C-section chapter. So he was actually able to educate me, which I think is important to understand that, like, because they're they're men, like, they can still educate themselves yeah, and it's you. Yeah, it's kind of funny at work. Like, just through what we've been going through with the breach delivery and how much research we've been doing and how much, like – new information I have now on pregnancy and all that stuff. And at work, like I'll just rant to my coworkers <laughs> about <laughs> what's going on. And, you know, even some of the women, like the older women that I work with are like, wait, like what's skin to skin contact? You know, like what is, what's this and that? I have all these answers for them. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and I think also too, one of the books tells you what I go through, right? Month to month. Yeah. It tells, yeah. All, like these, like Armin Brat, the all the Armin all the books written by Armin Brat. And there's a The Expectant Father was a good one. That's by Armin Brat and Jennifer Ash. The they co co wrote this book. Um, what's cool about those books is that they also kind of let me know what's going like month to month, especially during pregnancy and after pregnancy, like what's naturally happening happening in Amanda's, you know, mind and the hormones that are running through her and it's just super um, informative. informative. As for the resources that I've been loving and using, everything Ina Mae Gaskin is incredible, and that's the first thing that I would recommend to any woman who just found out that they're pregnant or is currently pregnant, or even if you just had a baby because she has a book about breastfeeding, if that's something you're interested in too. Um, I read the guide to childbirth and I also read her guide to breastfeeding 
and I found them super helpful. The guide to childbirth is a bunch of short stories of just women's experiences and, um, they're written by Ina May Gaskin, who is a midwife who all of these women delivered at her farm. And then the breastfeeding one is great for if you're interested in breastfeeding. Then the Thinking Woman's Guide to a Better Birth by Hence Goer is really good. That's really good if you're just wanting to educate yourself on all the different options for birth, like C-sections and um, breech vaginal births and just everything. The First 40 Days by its Heng O, so it's H-E-N-G and then O-U and then um, a couple other authors. You'll be able to find them if you just research. The first 40 days is awesome. It talks about postpartum and how that period is really the fourth trimester and it's really important to heal and nourish yourself and slow down and really, you know, consider the fact that postpartum is such a huge part of your pregnancy journey. And that gives you a lot of good recipes as well for recovering from a C-section, recovering from vaginal birth, just everything. And then the Informed Pregnancy Podcast with Dr. Elliot Berlin is awesome Super cool and easy to listen to. Lucas actually loves that podcast too. You were listening to a few few episodes. Yeah. Yeah. He's really funny. He's a doula, which is really just kind of comical because he's a man and it's like, how are you going to coach a woman on giving birth? But he's awesome. And he has a lot of cool people come on. A lot of celebrities come on. Yeah, and he's the shit. Yeah. A lot of celebrities come on and talk about their like birth plans before they get birth and then come on after and talk about how that birth actually went. And it's really, really entertaining and also really informative. Um, I actually listened to an episode on vaccinations, if that's something you guys are interested in, and that was really helpful. Um, also, Raising Good Humans is an awesome podcast. It's a parenting podcast, and it's really great if you are just wanting some guidance from a psychiatrist I think she's a psychiatrist or she's a psychologist um who knows her shit and she's just really good with parenting and giving advice and then the last thing I would say is the bump app and the what to expect app are super fun to look at to really gauge like how big your baby's getting week by week those those apps cracked me up but do not for the love of god once you hit 28 weeks do not go in the forums do not go down the rabbit hole of going on the forums and asking about breech births or discharge or water breaking or C-sections or emergency C-sections. If you go onto those forums, you are going to scare yourself shitless. Don't do it. I, I just, I highly recommend Why? because you'll find horror stories. Oh. You'll find horror stories and you they'll, they'll also, it's like if you go on WebMD and you ask, I have a headache, and it says you're dying of cancer. Yeah. Like, I just thought it was funny some of the uh, objects they used for reference yeah. when referencing the size of your child. The other day... Some of them are just questionable. The other day it said that my baby was as big as a little penguin. It's <laughs> like, what? A little penguin? Yeah. What What defines a little penguin? You know, I think like... like a baby penguin. <laughs> I don't know. All I say is those those are great for getting excited and just kind of, like, gauging how big your baby is and also being more aware of like what symptoms you should expect this this month or this week um but yeah i think if you go onto the forums you might think that you're in labor or you might think that your water broke and it's just not true so just you know refrain from that all right you guys i think that about wraps everything up any final words lucas no that was really fun i always love coming on the podcast with you 
Well, guys, the next time you see us, we're going to have a little roommate. And a I, roommate for life. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention that I'm taking a month off of the podcast. So I'm still having podcast episodes up weekly. They're just going to be pre recorded. So no really new life updates. And then I'm also taking a week after the baby's born off of social media. So you guys won't see me for a week once I'm going in to actually get the C-section, but you will see us a week from the C-section, which is on the 17th of September. So Thursday of this week. And yeah, we're just super excited about it and can't wait to introduce you to him once he is here. And after the week that we get to spend with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As always, please leave a rating and review because it really helps people find my show Five star. Five stars, always. And a comment. I just love to know what you guys are loving, so please leave a comment. Also, you can find me on Instagram, JustMans, and on my blog, JustMans.com. And over on YouTube, I've been getting more into YouTube at Just... No, that's not JustMans. That's just Amanda DeMarco. So just search Amanda DeMarco, and you'll find my channel. And you guys can find Lucas on Instagram. What's your handle? <laughs> just Lucas. <laughs> no, soon to be. But, yeah. Um, no, just follow me on Instagram, Lucas Fowler. Yeah, Lucas Fowler. You can find him on my Instagram. He's all over the place. Yo. All right. See you guys back. Apparently. <laughs> We're going to be parents. <laughs>